0: My life was amazing. Playing professional football, all the girls a guy would want, but I became a sex addict, and no one ever told me what would happen. Real life starts now. This is
1: Welcome to The Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to be talking about sex addiction and how it acts like a drug of choice. A lot of people say that real manhood, or even womanhood, is quickly losing your virginity and having as much sex as possible. But is that the right way? Today, we will have former NFL football player, David Rocker, who played for the Los Angeles Rams who will tell us how his life of many women turned into a sex addiction and how he learned about the negative consequences of those choices. However, Dave would tell today the youth to wait until marriage. And he's going to talk about why in the next couple of shows. David, welcome to the show.
0: Glad to be a part of the show of Lake. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: David, It's an honor to be able to have a former NFL football player come and join us on the show. Brother, I'm really excited, but we're not even going to talk about football today. We're going to talk about some real-life situations here. Dave, now, getting to know you throughout the production of this show has been really awesome, and I'm really excited to go through what you learned in your life experience as an NFL football player. Before we get right into it, tell us a little bit about how you grew up.
0: I grew up in a middle-class family. And when I say that, that's growing up in the inner city. I wasn't necessarily, as people refer to, living in the hood, Hmm. but I lived close by it, literally. Okay. Wow. From a two-parent home, my mom led the home and my dad was the enforcer. So they were very high on respect and discipline. And with us being big kids, they also put strong emphasis on us getting an education. I am the younger of two older brothers Mm. that I have, and I've always followed their lead. I always wanted to hang out with my brothers. And in doing that, I grew up fast. I grew up very fast, hmm. as I said, being a big kid. So I was 12 years old, but I was able to run around with the 18-year-olds and the 20-year-olds. So that wow. put me in the clubs at a very early age. So wow. while people are still playing in the streets, I'm already in the club with my oldest brother. and He's 10 years older than I am. Oh, my god. So gosh. you have to think about it. So I'm 12. He's 22, and I'm rolling with him.
1: So you're rolling with your older brothers. And I understand when you were younger, you became really big on fighting. And you found yourself fighting specifically bullies.
0: Yes, I actually literally loved fighting. And I love fighting bullies because I was a big kid myself, but I was very conscious of those who were smaller. So I always kind of worked in a way of making sure that those around me felt very comfortable. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that really frustrated me was seeing other big guys bully other friends of mine who were smaller. So I was always mm-hmm. that person who, hey, if they wanted to fight, fight me. And I mean, I would go all around my neighborhood if I found out one of my friends were about to get the fighting. Oh, I'm going to show up because I'm going to do the fight. And you step (laughs) back, I got this.
1: (laughs) Wow. I wish you would have been my friend when I was younger. (laughs)
0: Hey, if you have any problems right now, I'll show up.
1: That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Now, but when you were in middle school, you had an experience from a young girl. She made a comment that changed your life as a young man. What was that?
0: Oh, yeah. Coming from a sports family, always playing football was one of the things. I mean, that's just family tradition. But in one of the major championship games I was playing in, I was in seventh grade. I mean, I'll never forget this. The game was over. I was walking off the field and I could tell all these girls were looking at me. And I heard these two girls having a conversation. And one of mm-hmm. the girls was edging her friend on saying, hey, go say something to him. Say something to him, girl. And the girl said, I would say something, but he's fat. And that right there, putting it out there, as you say, keeping it real, that damaged me. That made me see myself, even though I was a rising football star, that affected me in a sense of how I looked at myself, how I perceived myself, my body, and all that kind of thing. So it made me somewhat uncomfortable in my body and growing up as a young man.
1: Yeah. So basically that hit a huge insecurity for you. Yeah. But I understand that you didn't just sit back. You actually made it like almost like a life goal as you're doing football to change that image. So when you got older, I understand that you did something to change that.
0: Absolutely. I lived in the weight room. When I went to middle school, high school, I literally lived in the weight room. If people want to come look for me, they always say, if you don't see Dave around, more than likely he's in the weight room. And I transformed my body. And I was that guy who, as people would say, became that Greek god. So now I was something beautiful to look at. But here's the thing I knew when things changed, when girls start looking at me and they're oohing and on, But now in my mind, even though I'm smiling and showing this flare of confidence on the inside, I'm like, no, the only reason you see me differently now because i have all these muscles but i'm that same fat guy you guys were talking about so i began to look at girls in a different way they became now objects more so than people who just found me attractive
1: wow i mean so when you got older you were super good looking and you were a football star so now the girls are literally chasing you but then it's almost like it wasn't enough how did you start viewing girls at this point
0: well, now they've worked for me in a sense of sports. Sports was always very stressful for me because I was the number one recruit coming out of the state of Georgia. I go to Auburn University as an All-American, so I'm dealing with the stress on the field. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would turn to drugs and alcohol. Even though I would do a little drugs, I would definitely consume alcohol. But my drug of choice was sex. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to be pacified, if I wanted to be comforted, I wanted sex. So even when I went to the club, when guys want to just drink No, I'm trying to figure out who am I going to go home with tonight because that right there really gave me a sense of accomplishment because even though I'm achieving great accolades on the field, I'm doing well in class, I still feel like I have to prove myself in the sense of being that fat kid who can steal pull all the girls. And that's how I saw girls as tools that I just wanted to use.
1: And almost like trophy, like I'm going to do this one, this one, next one. Absolutely. So what did you do to get these girls? I'm just going to ask like a funny question there. (laughs) What did you do to get these girls?
0: Here's the thing, and it's going to sound very cold, but it's just the truth. I would do whatever was necessary. I would tell them what most girls want to hear. A lot of girls want to hear how beautiful they are, how awesome they are, and how they are the only one. And that was one of those things that I would use more so than being this macho guy trying to be tough. I was that guy who could just come in and just, I want to talk with you. I mean, I'm so privileged that you're being my friend. They're looking at me like I'm the football star, but I'll take this real laid back approach. And Can we just talk? I mean, I want to share some things that I've never talked about before. So now (laughs) they're feeling So drawn in, and they're the only one, Mm -hmm. which I'm just like, hey, all I just need is for these clothes to come off, check the box, and boom, I'm ready to keep it moving.
1: Wow. So, afterwards, after the act was done, you would be like, okay, see you later, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're still friends. That was one of those things. And until they could catch on to the only time I would want to see them is to have sex, I mean, I'm just going to ride that until they catch on. Until then, um, hey, that's it. But no, I'm not trying to have no serious. (laughs) Relation, <laughs> right them. wow no, this is all just about the sex and when they realize all you want from me is sex i mean you're this nice guy but that's all you want to do every time you come over here that's what it's about now i'm like okay my cover's blown let me go mm-hmm. ahead and move on i mean wow on to the next chick
1: david let's stop there because i want to have you on our next show to talk about how that this habit right here of being with girl after girl it actually turned into a sex addiction So, David, thanks so much for being real and vulnerable and talking about real things on our show today. Thanks for having me on. Listen, let's unravel what you just heard right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it. 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com.
0: Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at AwakeningTheNations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's AwakeningTheNations.com or 877-480-4477.
1: More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I mean, the question we're looking at here is that when it comes to sex, is it about quantity or quality? Which one's better? Here you're hearing about a person because of his position in the NFL, he indulged in quantity. Honestly, going back to his story when he was younger, it is sad how as a young man, he was wounded by the opposite sex. But then as he got older, if you think about it, he spent a lot of his young life wounding the hearts of girl after girl, using them for one thing sex. And some would say, this is a grand life he's living. But is it? Could it be that though at that time in his life, he thought it was so grand, maybe when he thought he was winning, was he actually losing? I would say, yes, he was losing. All that time, he thought he was winning for himself, but he was actually losing himself. I'm going to say something here. Don't you know that our bodies are meant to have sex? They're designed for sex but they're designed to have sex in the balance of marriage. There's scientific research that has discovered that those who wait to have sex when they're married, they report more sexual satisfaction in their lives compared to those who've had lots of sex outside of marriage. Then why are we told by culture, you know, that the more sex you can get, the better? Well, you see, sex from one person to the next without commitment may feel good, but it's kind of like poison that tastes good, but as that poison collects, There's one consequence, death. And in this case, emptiness and dissatisfaction. What do ancient writings say in scripture about this? In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. The Bible tells us to flee from this thing called sexual immorality. What is that? It is sex that is outside the bounds of marriage and outside of the relationship between a husband and a wife. Now, the world might say that Dave was doing it the right way, but it is the wrong way. Why? People who live in sexual immorality are sinning against their own bodies. So Dave was literally hurting himself. He was destroying his own mind, will, and emotions and his own body. And he was also hurting other people at the same time. You're going to hear more about this from Dave Rocker. How about you? Are you hurting yourself with your personal life? Is purity an important thing for you? This is God's plan for you. Purity. It is worth the wait. Honestly, as a young man, the Lord revealed this to me and I've experienced the difference. I had premarital sex when I was an atheist. And when I became a Christian, I waited until I was married. And guess which one is better? Well, one of them is way better. Okay. And it was the second one. So, Father God, I'm praying right now for everybody who's listening, and I'm sensing that there's somebody who's saying that, gosh, I can relate to Dave Rocker. I didn't realize the damage that I'm causing to myself. Lord Jesus, we just ask for you, first of all, to forgive us of our sins. And Lord Jesus, we want to receive you. We believe in you, and we want to follow you. Show us the way of purity. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched.
0: If you want to know more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please check us out at AwakeningDonations.com. That's AwakeningDonations.com.
1: See you next time.